Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am joined by a very special guest here. We have Brandon Anderson of the Action Network. It's a pleasure to have you on, Brandon. Uh, how are you doing today? It's a, it's a late night for us. Uh, it is a late night, but in NBA world, this is like prime time for us. We, we just finished watching an electric Weird as always, Grizzlies playoff game. John Morant with a monster performance to knock Insane. out the Warriors. I mean, it's we're in the thick of it. We're watching games. We're having fun. This is this is the life right here. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. So, like for you guys that don't follow Brandon, you can find him at Wheat on Brando at Twitter and uh, on the Twitter machine. He's in the Action app. He's got his articles up on the Action Network, and then you can also listen to him on the Buckets podcast. You've seen me tweet that out because I've been on there a little bit, uh, but that's available Apple, Spotify, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. So definitely give him a listen. He's always like really sharp with his props and with his futures. So, you know, like I said, like, you know, we both are props guys. We love betting on prop bets. And one of the things I wanted to pick your brain on and, you know, have the listeners get an opportunity to listen to, we've gotten to see one series. We've gotten to see now a couple games in round two. Does your process, like it's, it's, it's so different in the postseason. you know, you have these teams that are playing five games, six games, seven games in a row against the same opponents how do you decide like this is a good prop line today versus this is a good prop line in game two? Because then you might say like, I don't like this anymore, even if it did hit in the first game. So uh, how does your process differ? Because it is, it's obviously a different situation in the postseason than the regular season. It is, yeah. During the regular season, a lot of the most profitable props end up being those kind of role player types. Are they like, oh, the star is out. Who's filling in for them? You know, it's a, random Tuesday night in February, who's going to actually step up and try tonight. You kind of have to play that, that angle along the way. You love that when you get to the playoffs, especially when you get late in a series and you're like, well, elimination game. So uh, John Morant's going to play 45 tonight. And yeah. you can kind of just like bump all the numbers accordingly. And it, it feels like the lines don't always quite adjust enough for some of those elimination minutes. And then the other thing is you go the other way on role players sometimes you and I were all over the Steven Adams thing. I'm sure yeah. that that was on this podcast. That was here. fat. That was we fat. haven't seen our man since. <laughs> uh, he's gone into uh, what they call health and safety protocols, but I think it's actually just New Zealand witness protection program. I think it's like, just think, an excuse. <laughs> they just got him out of there. He's, he's, he's out. He's gone. So, yeah, you, you got to kind of anticipate where the lineup decisions are going and, and uh, you know, which – which guys, especially the one-way guys, you know, who are the who are the centers that are going to get played off the court because they they just can't hold up against these elite elite guards that are basically yeah. every team has now. Who are the the three and D wings that are actually just three and wings? <laughs> Duncan and, Robinson. Where yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like oh well, yes. It, how 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 mad would you have been? If your cap was, man, I don't know if Duncan Robinson's going to be able to play too much. I'm going under. Under Duncan Robinson's alternate unders, and Everything. he doesn't even play. And you don't, you don't even cash anything because you, you get you just get your money back. That'd be oh. so oh. – but, yeah, I just – I think watching the rotations, kind of seeing, you know, so much for me is about minutes anyway. Like when you do yeah. it on the regular season, it still is a minutes play. So watching where the minutes go and knowing that in a way, to me, they're more predictable – because you know the stars are getting their minutes. It, yeah. Like they're going to try that night. So barring 
you know, we haven't had too many huge blowouts in the playoffs. So you can kind of count on the minutes and then factor in accordingly. Watch late in games for like, okay, well, end of Dallas Phoenix. This is a blowout, but still meaningful. Dallas is trying stuff. What have they found? What's happening here that can kind of give us a clue to what maybe they'll do a little bit more of next game. So I think that's really fun. This sweet spot went while recording game two, game three. This is the spot for me where it's like, all right, we got one, maybe two games of data. Here's where I think we're headed. The books haven't quite gotten there yet. They kind of hedged. They're kind of in the middle. Like, well, we're not sure. <laughs> let's move Luca's points line up a couple points. He's, he can't score 45 every night, can he? And then he drops 45 again. You're like, yes, he can. He can do it. He can do it. <laughs> so that, yeah, and that's part of why I wanted to have you on because last time during round one, like that's where we really capitalized on the Steven Adams line, that Rudy Gobert line. And, you know, we even realized some of our other bets were just like dead in the water. Like the D'Angelo Russell thing was dead in the water because of Steven Adams. So after a game, he was just gone after a game. (laughs) Exactly. Like we knew right away. So I think like right now um, it's really interesting because there's a couple of different factors, I guess, going on, like between various injuries or, you know, guys not playing, whatever. And I think like the first series we can really kind of talk about is the Bucks and the Celtics, because I know that you have made us a shitload of money on Grace and Allen. And that's, <laughs> it's been like a great bet. And like, it's something we've hit on throughout the season, but now like you see, it's like, well, like, is that, and maybe it's not going to continue. Cause like he, he really didn't do anything today. And you know, like I lost some, I lost some money on him today. So like when you're looking at the Bucks and the Celtics, Obviously, you can like trust Giannis to whatever extent. Like, I don't think he'll have as bad of a game as he did in game two again. But like, is there anybody else in that series that you're saying like, oh, like this is the dude? Because it feels like from the Celtics side, maybe it's maybe all of a sudden Jalen Brown just like got resurrected. I I don't know what happened, but I don't know what to look for you know, from the box, like, are we just only trusting Giannis or like, what, like, what do you, what do you think at this point? Yeah. Grace and Allen, I, I, you know, we, we hit, we smashed every grace, grace and prop for yeah. game three, four, five, Chicago points, alternate points, higher alternate points, Everything. threes, alternate threes, everything that was out there crushed it all still screw you books for not giving us Grayson to lead the game and scoring. We could hit that one twice too. Yeah. So I tweeted though, first quarter, first quarter of game one, I'd played Grayson Allen. I was a little leery, you know, Boston actually has a defense. Chicago did not. So I knew that it wouldn't be quite the same, same action, but he come out in game one and you could just tell this is a more physical game. Grayson had a turnover almost immediately. He had a foul immediately. It's like, oh, the, the freebie stuff is not there anymore. Not in Duke land anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and I tweeted out, uh, I think the Grayson Allen party might be over. And yeah. then literally like 20 minutes later, he got hot and he got open shots really is what that means. Grayson always is going to be a good shooter. Like the guy can shoot. Yeah. We know that. The guy can open. trip human beings and shoot basketballs. These are the two <laughs> things we know about Grayson Allen. And he got his shots and he hit our over for that day. He hit the 11 points. He hit the three threes. But I noticed he didn't really do much in the second half. And so we looked at the lines today. They hadn't really adjusted a whole lot, but it was two and a half again, still plus money again. Yeah. I didn't play today. I thought about doing like a half unit on it or something, but it's, I was like, well, 
this feels about right. Like I, he's, he's the volume. You could tell it dropped just a little bit from the last yeah. series and dropped a little bit more again today. He only had one shot, one, a yeah. three point shot in game two. So I think that we sadly must conclude that the Grace and Allen party is officially over. I think, I think we're dead. I think we're dead over there, but I think looking at that series, you know, aside from props anyway, this is a, this, I feel like this feels like the heavyweight matchup of the playoffs, like outside of the NBA finals. Like I know we'll probably see warrior sons in the Western conference finals. And we'll, we'll, we can touch on that in a minute, but like, this Bucks Celtics series feels like these are the two teams that are the teams to beat. Like I think right now, um, do you, do you have like a lean? Like I, I know I'm not surprised that the Bucks at least won one of these games, but I think that the fashion in which both of these games has ended was a little surprising, you know, like the Bucks with a double digit win now the Celtics with like a 20 point win. So what, like, where are you at with this series? Yeah. Yeah, my main play on both of these games, outside of props, my main play on the game itself, both games, has been Milwaukee team under. Yeah, I am squarely on that going forward because I have not seen anything to get me off of it. My read on the series going in was, I don't know if Milwaukee's defense was as awesome as it looked against Chicago because Chicago... I don't know if Boston's offense is as awesome as look down the stretch there. They were shooting out of their mind, but a lot of that was coming off of defensive stops. Yeah. I didn't know about that side. The side of the ball I felt very confident about is Boston's defense being very good. Milwaukee's offense, not being reliable. Even, even with Chris Middleton, I would have felt not great about that matchup though. Chris has always been a Celtics killer, but without him, I was like, okay, Drew holiday. We've seen like, I love Drew Holiday. We we love him. We loved him at the Olympics. We talked a lot great. about Drew Holiday. Yeah. But the guy is not a good shooter and he's not a consistent scorer. And so it's like, okay, where are the points coming from? Giannis is going to do his thing, but where else are the points? And the answer, the only answer I'd come up with was, I, I guess, Grayson and Bobby threes. Like, I guess which that is, has to be the answer. Which is tough. And like, I think we saw Connington, Connington play like a bit better yeah. today. Um, or yesterday, you know, but he still like, is it like, he still is kind of like a niche player. So yeah. it, I agree with you. It's tough. And I think that, you know, based on where the total sits, cause they dropped the total like a point or two from yesterday's yeah. total. And I'd imagine it looks like the spreads about the same. So the total is actually going to go up. We're going to get like Milwaukee at like under one Oh eight and a half, I think. Yeah. Well, cause it's home total, yeah. Cause it's a home game. So the, and the line flipped. So I think we're, this is a, you're actually getting like a better spot, but like, are you concerned about then role players usually seem to play better at home. So like maybe that kind of fits into this whole thing, but um, there's that. And then the Marcus smart thing. So I know you feel like he's a little overvalued, but uh, (laughs) not to put words in my mouth, but yes, I absolutely feel that. I I thought, you know, we talked in, in the Slack, that what played out is kind of what I expected and that I thought Marcus smart, he's a very good defender, but the way that he gets into guys physically makes you think that he's this all world, incredible defender. The yeah. reality is Boston just has a lot of good defenders and a very yeah. good team defense teams play defense, not individuals. Mm-hmm. And that was what we saw tonight. Cause their defense still was awesome. The role player thing coming home is always a concern. Here's why I'm less concerned. 
Boston changed the way they played tonight on defense. Game one, they were sending doubles at Giannis the whole game. We're not going to let you beat us, Giannis. And he had 12 assists and he had a triple double and, and lit him up that way. And the shots were falling for all those role players because everything collapsed on Giannis. Yeah. In game two, it was like, okay, not Robert Williams, not Robert Williams. No. He cannot guard Giannis on his own, but not let that happen. other Williams, the guy that makes all the threes, Grant Williams, Bet on his or Al Horford. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. We're playing that for sure. Yeah. But they were just like, we're going to keep Horford and Grant Williams on Giannis. And they're actually handling him like pretty well. Yeah. Just fine. Giannis yeah. was, was 10 of 23 on twos in game two, 43%. Yeah. This is from a dude that shoots like 60 or 70% on twos most games. Yeah. So and- that, that the role player thing here, here's why I'm less afraid of the role player thing. The box in game two shot uh, three of 18 on threes. The three can happen. The, the three will not be three anymore at home. The no. 18 is the problem. That's not nearly enough. Attempts is not enough. Pat Connaughton, one of two. Grayson Allen, one attempt. Bobby Portis, two attempts. What happens is when you don't double, then all those other Celtic defenders are staying home and just like, all right, it's the same thing that we thought about the the Luka Doncic series. Same thing, like it's it's hero ball now. It's okay, Giannis, literally on your own, you have to do it now. You and Drew, because we're not going to let these other guys beat us. And yeah. That makes me fear the Milwaukee home thing a little less so. Yeah, I'm a little concerned that like Boston shot so well from three. <laughs> like, like that's like you're just gonna lose. Like I considering that they literally outscored the Bucks 60 to nine, nice, uh, from three point range, like they should have won by like 40. <laughs> like, and I think that's the thing. Like, I, I put I put a little bit of weight into like shot quality and like what they put out on Twitter, yep. and they literally said today that they, the win probability was 50% for both teams based on the shot probability. And so it's, so it's like, it's really interesting because like, that's how it like felt. Like I was watching, I was like, man, like they just can't get anything to go. And then Boston, it was just like, it didn't matter what it was. It was like Jalen Brown had one of those games. And it was just like, everything was going in. So it, it's, the, but, it, but I do feel like that's the way the series is going to be. Like, this is going to be a seven game series. They're going to lose game one of whatever the next round is. And then we're going to bet on them again. <laughs> but uh, just because of that, you know, that like metrics that we have, like where, you know, the series goes seven games. If they have the rest disadvantage, like they're going to lose game one. Um, almost like that's the way it seemed to go. So I don't know. Like, I, I think I still, I don't want to bet against Giannis. Like I, I'm, I kind of am at that point where I'm trying to, I'm almost treating him like I treated LeBron, which is dangerous because it's just like, it's a bias. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't know if I can trust the Celtics team. Like I know we've watched them the whole second half of the year, but do you trust them to like, to win the series still? Cause I think whoever comes out of here should probably be favored in the finals. Yeah, I mean, certainly whoever comes out of here, I, I think you and I both will like in the Eastern Conference. Oh, 100%. Whoever yeah. they're playing. And yeah, then whoever it is, it, it's it, you're, we're going to like the matchup in the finals because presuming it's probably Phoenix or Golden State in the finals, either one of these teams are going to have a huge, literally huge, the size advantage and the physicality advantage is going to be a really big thing for either Boston or Milwaukee if they get there. So to me, I... I don't want to be overly confident in Boston because I am confident in their defense against the, the Bucks offense, but I still don't really know 
who's going to make the shots and are they going to make the shots? You know, they're 20 of 43, 47% in game two, but they could easily go 12 of 43. And that's kind of within the range of outcomes. And then suddenly 24 points go away there and they don't just go away. They go into long rebounds and they go into runouts down on the other end. And that was, we saw in game one. So I liked what I saw the first half of game two, the ball is zipping around. That was the thing we thought with Marcus smart out that with Derek white out there, miserable game didn't score. I think he's terrible foul trouble. Yeah. (laughs) but He he did help move the ball though. And he's a good defender. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good defender and the ball moved a little better. It looked like a real offense in the first half. And of course it looks that way when the shots fall, but they were getting much better shots in the second half. It was back to like, well, we're kind of just settling for all the open threes or semi-open above the break threes. Yeah. The thing that the thing that I give my most credence to is this: Giannis and Drew. We know they're going to be the guys that have to score for Milwaukee. They are thirty of seventy-seven on two pointers in the series right That's now. Thirty-nine percent yeah. on two pointers, and if if. The Bucs are not getting three-pointers even off, let alone making them. And Giannis and Drew are going to shoot anywhere near 40% on twos. You're, gonna you're not going to score enough. You're, yeah. you're going to score 90. And so this, for me, this is why... This is the 90s. Like. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is why I'm just going to keep playing the Bucs under because that's the thing that I feel good about. I don't know if Boston's going to make their shots, if Boston doesn't make them, then we're going to get game one again. If they do, we're going to yeah. get game two. We're probably going to end up somewhere in between, and maybe we'll actually get a close finish one of these games. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a good angle for this series, and, you know, I, I'm excited. I think this is the best series, like, from a like from a basketball perspective in a way, but, like, it's definitely not the most enjoyable to watch, I think. Like, I don't think it's the most <laughs> exciting series. I think the most exciting series is the other game that we watched last night is, and that's the Warriors and the Grizzlies. So I, I know we both like the Warriors to come out of this series, but, um, and I've kind of talked about that already. So like, I'm curious to know like what you think about them. Cause like, I'm just like, you've got Curry, you've got Clay, you've got Draymond, you got Poole. Like you have this team that can really, just they just do not stop like they just don't stop and i think that that's something that the grizzlies like they have a high engine but i don't think that they're like mental like they're they're like they're not there like their attention span isn't there like it's the fourth quarter and curry's got wide open threes like you can't be doing that so uh, let me know what your thoughts are on this one Yeah, I'm trying to be careful here because on the one hand, I see two games so far where somehow it genuinely feels like almost everything has gone Memphis's way. Yeah. The shot variance massively in Memphis's favor and against Golden State. The the refereeing and the calls and the fouls have very much gone Memphis's way. We've had a starter for for Golden State miss a huge chunk of the game twice now. We had Draymond Green miss the whole first quarter basically also on top of that yeah Payton is done now for the broken arm your broken elbow yeah yeah because of what Steve Kerr correctly called a dirty play not just a dangerous play you know like Dylan Brooks just gonna come back and play again next game and yeah I'm wondering if they'll suspend him probably not right yeah I don't I don't I don't think so because uh, yeah it's hard to say but like that's a huge swing Dylan Brooks is the Steph defender 
uh, Gary Payton was supposed to be the jaw defender. Yeah. Look what happened when they didn't have Gary Payton down the stretch. Jaw did anything he wanted down the stretch yeah. there. That pool was wide open. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was, that was that was a, a wade into the pool and, and try not to splash and take care of your business there. Yeah. <laughs> jaw, jaw peed all over in that pool tonight. <laughs> but I have a hard time – I have a hard time looking at what I just saw from two games. The Warriors were seven of 38 on threes, 18%. They had 18 turnovers. Steph was three of 11 on threes. Clay was two of 12. Poole was one of six. And still, despite all of the things, if the Warriors make one of any like 10 different shots in the fourth quarter, it's done. It's over. The series is over, is how I feel. But. At some point, do I have to acknowledge that I feel that way through all these two games, but that we've had actual in real life two coin flip games that have come yeah. down to the end? Like at some point, and th- this is where it was at with, with Memphis and Minnesota last series. It's like, well, I don't really know what Memphis is doing. They're just suddenly still in these games. Yeah. And at some point, that is whatever that is. That's not being captured in the numbers. You know, you and I are very analytical and numbers based. So like Memphis, whatever Memphis is doing, it's not in there necessarily. But at some point, it's a real pattern. You have to give some credit to. So I I, I definitely feel confident the Warriors should win the series, barring any other big injuries or anything. They are clearly the better team. And there are a lot of matchup advantages in their favor. But at some point, too, you have to give Memphis credit for just doing what they're doing and it is working and it does work in this matchup. They can kind of get golden state to play that sort of like drunken basketball thing that they fall into. And they're going to do it even more at home too, by the way. I mean, yeah. I think the thing is like John Morant, like, he is like, he's like an enigma to me because like, he's a freak, like he's so good, but like, I don't understand. Like they're give, he's he's actually doing the thing. It's basically like the Warriors are saying, "Yeah, shoot those threes. Like we're gonna. You can you watch them just sag off the three point line with him, and he's shoot. He's making them. So like I don't know if. But then he'll also take like like last night with like forty seconds left. He took a contested three, and they just happened to get the rebound when they were up. One, it was like a bad. It was like a fundamentally. It was a bad shot. It's a bad decision, and it was like he got, he was like feeling himself. So it's like, I'm concerned. Like, I don't, I don't feel like the Warriors are going to do that. Like if they're in that situation, whereas I feel like Memphis is going to like, like they'll be, they'll be like doing the gritty on the logo and the Warriors will be hitting a layup. Like, like that's the uh, way I okay, feel. But, but, it, but this is Steph Curry. You don't think Steph Curry is going to be feeling himself. You don't yeah. think Jordan Poole is going to be feeling himself. Like, let's be fair. These guys are liable to just pull up from 35 because they feel like it. <laughs> Anyways, it's just not have a better a chance shot. of hitting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's open. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's different if Curry's doing it than Ja. But yeah, um for sure. I I just I don't know. I agree with you. I just think that like the the matchup thing is like I feel like Golden State, like the way that they move, like they're not they're forcing, they force mistakes and like they force 
Memphis to behave and like to play in a way that they wouldn't normally in like the regular season or against almost any other team because nobody else runs like this. So like I don't feel like there's another team that's like going to be as taxing from like a basketball IQ perspective as the Golden State Warriors. And I'm I'm wondering if over the course of this series, like I feel like like you've said, like Memphis has had almost everything break their way. And like its series is still split one one. And now we're going back to the Bay Area. So I, I feel like the Warriors should wrap this up. I think that they should have they should wrap it up in like five or six. I can't imagine it going seven, but um my lean is definitely the Warriors, and I think the odds reflect that. They're still like minus two hundred to win the series. Yeah, I mean, I think there's value on the series. I will probably look for a Warriors minus one and a half on the series. I don't know. I think the Grizzlies can take it to seven if the Warriors keep playing this loose and keep shooting this poorly. Yeah, I think it's now in play, but it shouldn't happen that way. Like, we all know what we're watching. We all know what should come out of this, but basketball is weird. And sometimes John Morant hits five threes. And sometimes Jaron Jackson hits six threes. And we just happen to have seen that twice in a row. Yeah, I think I think too, to give the Grizzlies some credit, for game two, they were fourteen of forty-five on threes, thirty-one percent. It's not like they shot the lights out here. That number three. is way higher than they took during the season, but that is clearly a thing that they've decided to do and will keep on doing. Mm-hmm. They had twelve offensive rebounds. They shot forty percent on field goals. Like, and Bain wasn't even playing that well. Yeah, Bain Bain has done nothing this series. He has he has five points game two. And, and like, clearly that is no longer just a, oh, he had an off night in game one. His the back Warriors is are bothering him or something. The back is bothering him. And the Warriors are really just like staying on him everywhere. And like, it, it's again, it's, hey, if we don't let your one shooter get open, then we're just back to jaw. Jaw, do it all on your own, either score or create on an alley-oop or something. We don't think you can beat us. Guess what? They're wrong in game two. Yeah, like he's doing it. Yeah. And I, I think that that's probably still the right strategy. Um, yeah. That, like as weird as that is to say, just because like he's not like you, it's a less efficient shot, I guess. Like because he's still not shooting like 60%, 70% like on the season from like two point range. So I, I guess that's that is the recipe, but we'll we'll kind of have to see how that goes. But you can get the Warriors minus one and a half at minus 125. So like yeah. it's still expected <laughs> that they win really in you know in five or six games, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean I think I think what I would expect it for the in the two home games, I think one of the two home games in the Bay, the Warriors blow them out. Like 25 yeah, yeah. point win. The shots are falling. The third quarter run happens. Memphis's shots are not hitting. These role players for Memphis, Anthony Melton was great in game two. Um, like they're, they're going to not not keep getting these big Zaire Williams random games and Golden State will show up. But yeah, I, I think that there's one big blowout game, one more coin flippy close game. And then we see if Memphis, Memphis has to win a couple of close coin flip games to get it to like, I think they need to win one close game in golden state, get back two two to Memphis. They have to win game five and go up three, two. And at that point, then I will say, okay, what's happening here. Memphis actually can win the series. 
Yeah. I think that's what it would take for me to get off of a Warriors position, though. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, where we know that the Warriors need to win game. Like, it's like they have, they're in a win-out position, and they have to win yeah. game seven on the road. I think that's – I agree. That's definitely definitely the spot that I would be saying, like, all right, now the Grizzlies can do it. <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, I would be saying now the Grizzlies can do it. Hey, what's the price on Golden State for title odds yeah. right now? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, like, that's where I'd be. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, I know we got to win two to get out of here, but I am probably going to play some Golden State because the thing with game two, everything Memphis did felt enough sustainable. Like, uh, game one, I felt like I could throw out a lot of things, like, they're not going to do all of those things again. Yeah. Game two was not quite that way, except here's the thing that wasn't sustainable <laughs> seven of 38 on threes. That's yeah. not going to happen again. And if no. the Warriors hit even like 12 of 38 the next game, then the entire thing flips and it's a relatively comfortable win. So I don't know in the long run that Clay is going to just keep missing everything, and every traveling. free throw, every three, <laughs> and traveling. What, what even was that? That was a terrible yeah. call. That, but, that, that call and the Draymond foul at the end was were tough. Those were tough. So yeah, Scott Foster showing up big like he like he does. Like he always does. Uh so with that, let's take it on to the to the to the games on today. Dino, take them out of here. Book them. All right. So now we're gonna be looking at today's games and today's series. So we're looking, the first game we got up is probably the least exciting of all of these. And it's the Miami Heat versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Um Joel Embiid's going to be out again today. Do, are you like, I know, like, I don't trust the heat. I don't like the Sixers. I don't want to bet on either team really, but I do. I, 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 I can't help but feel that there might be some value on Philly here. Uh, it's like, I, they're not inspiring at all, but their game one performance, like they should shoot better. They they only shot like 15% from three point range, but like, I'm not sure if that scheme. And then plus like, they're just running out the corpse of Deandre Jordan. So like, that's just not a great situation they got going on there. Uh, what, do, what do you think about this series? Yeah. You and I both made a little money off of Deandre Jordan as did Miami last game betting on first quarter and race to 10 race to 15. Yeah. Uh, we we're all over that. And of course, Doc Rivers starts him again in the second half, even though it was a disaster coming out in the first half. And of course, at the end of the game, he defends it again, which by the way, he said, that he wanted to bench Joel or he wanted to bench DeAndre Jordan. He wanted to do it, but his players just had to have their boy DeAndre out there. Dude, grow it. up. You are I the coach. <laughs> you are the head coach. Man up and make a decision and put your team in a position to win. Players don't make the best decisions sometimes. We know this. We know this. Like yeah. he's co- he's coaching like he's like he's Le- like he's LeBron or something out there. Like this is crazy. Yeah. Look, the Lakers cut DeAndre Jordan. That says everything. Yeah. Like, Remember the Lakers? Remember them? <laughs> so yeah, he threw the ball like eight rows into the stands, and they cut him immediately. <laughs> like, doesn't so, yeah, belong out there. I, I I'm with you that there has to be Philadelphia can't shoot as poorly as they did. They're going to, there's good. There's some obvious regression to the mean positively for them. Yeah. The problem is there's a little bit of positive regression for Miami coming too. Miami didn't really play that well or shoot no. that well either. You know, especially the second quarter, they just like forgot to come out for it. Yeah. And 
it was wild that even as bad as that game started for Miami, I mean, we were like, all right, well, I guess I got a couple hours off on this one. And suddenly mm-hmm. Philly's up at halftime. So yeah. I, I think where I'm at on this series is pretty similar to what you said. I don't love Miami. I don't feel, I feel Miami is being really overvalued here. Um, I think that there's too much confidence in them after beating up on a not very good Hawks team yeah. that they really didn't beat up on. They really were kind of toe to toe with for like all but five minutes of each game. And then the Hawks were terrible for five minutes. hundred percent. And, and, and now they look great that. against the, the, the Joel Embiid less Sixers for a game. So I, I'm looking for my spot to go against the heat. We already said both of us, whoever wins this series, neither of us is going to be on this side in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the Eastern finals. But so here's where I'm at. I want to nibble the Philly money line plus 350 at Caesars is 22% implied. 22% is too low. The six, the game that I saw in game one did not tell me this team would only win one out of five times in this matchup. Yeah. The problem is DeAndre Jordan is starting again. He already said he was going to start him. So here's how, here's what I'm going to do. We already know, like, look, I want to play the race to 10 again because we know Miami's going to get their hot start. Yeah. It's literally minus 165. Even Vegas is like, yeah, we all know. We know Jordan is cooked. He is gone. So we're just going to spot Miami like eight points to start the game. Yeah. But that means that the money line is going to juice even higher. So I think that's my spot is like, we might get a plus 500 or a plus 800 or like some crazy line pretty early in the game. If Jordan looks bad, and then my hope is maybe Jordan looks bad enough that Doc actually grows a pair to make the decision. Maybe Paul Reed doesn't foul every ball. time he breathes. You know, <laughs> like he, he was he he had his ups and downs, but he fouled so much that he just wasn't an option. And I feel like yeah. that probably handcuffed Doc a little bit too. Yeah. So I yeah, I I texted you earlier. There's this weird lineup on DraftKings. You can always do the to win the game and win the series combo. Oh, yeah. Those Explain are, I love to me those. this. You know, I love you can, those. You can bet. Yeah, we love them. So, right now, you can bet on Miami to win game two, but Philly to win the series is seven to one. Okay. That makes sense. Normal. Embiid is out. Embiid probably comes back in the next game or two. Miami goes up 2 0. Philly should be a long shot. Sure. I get it. However, you can also bet. Philadelphia to win game two and Philly to win the series at plus 900. It makes no Why sense. are the odds longer if Philadelphia wins the game and takes the series or ties it up? Why am I getting longer odds on this? Like they need to win in order to win the series. Yeah. <laughs> Winning is no good. Sense. I don't know if you understand DraftKings. Win is good. We try to do the winning. So like, yeah, like that might get like, that might get like a free bet for me or something like that, that I might have like hanging on one of those accounts. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And, but my concern is that like, I might see that line anyway, like even if they, yeah. lo- if they lose whatever, like, I, I just don't know. Cause they're plus three ninety right now, like roughly given the give or take on the book, like for, to win the series. So it's like, it's kind of one of those spots. I'm like, well, like if they lose, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Like if they win, then like that line's just crazy. So like, it probably does make sense to play that just a little bit, but I'm just like, yeah. I don't know if they're going to win. I think that the play that 
I like if I'm if I had to give out a play for this game in terms of the like the spread, the total, whatever, is I'd probably just take Miami minus like two and a half or minus three in the first quarter because like you know you're gonna get spotted those points. And then I'd be looking to buy on the Sixers probably on a live line because Miami's gonna go is realistically going to get out to a hot start. So you're probably gonna get like the Sixers, they're already a significant underdog. You're probably gonna be able to get you know, if Miami goes up like 15 to five or something like that, you're going to get like plus 12 and a half, 13 and a half in the first quarter. So I think that's probably my angle, but I do think that from like a prop perspective, because I don't, the Sixers are doing some like weird stuff on defense right now to try to like make up for not having Embiid. And I think like the key to attacking that is run the offense through Bam Adebayo. Like he doesn't need to score to be effective. He can assist, he can like facilitate. And I think they can, he can play like kind of like anywhere. Like he's not shooting threes, but I, like, I like his points and assist line tomorrow. It's 22 and a half. It's juiced a little bit at like minus minus one thirty. but I like it as opposed to his PRA because then like him and Aiton are like very, very similar, I think. And they don't, they get drawn out from under the basket. So they don't have the rebound opportunities that you would think for a center. And instead, like, because they're better defenders, I think like they, they can cover, they're not tied. They're not like Rudy Gobert, like tied underneath the basket. Like he's going to get his boards. Like that's not the way that they play. So I prefer, at least in this game, the points and assists line, he's had four assists in eight of his last 10 playoff games. So I think it's a good spot. And like, I don't want to play just the three and a half assist line because it's at like minus 165. Mm-hmm. So I, there's just way too much juice there. So I'd rather combine it with the points because I, I think there's a pretty good floor on his uh, on his assist line anyway. Yeah, I like the assist. I was going to ask what the assist line was because I, I feel like that's the part I'm most confident in there. I don't know. What are we doing playing 2-3 zone? Miami literally designed their offense to shoot a million threes, which is the it's, thing that you do against a two, three zone. Yeah. And like, yeah. What would you want to do in a two, three zone? You want to shoot threes and you want to have a really good passing big man to sit right in the center of the zone and pick it exactly. apart. It's like, if you were going to design a team to go against a two, three zone, you would build Miami for the most part. Yeah. So I like the assist there. I, I almost feel I'm a little worried about the points just because like, like he can score, but he's, it's yeah. just like, you never know when he's, he does or doesn't or gets the shots yeah. up. So I, I almost feel like I might look for like a bet 365 five oh, assist special. line that has a little plus on it. Or like, yep. I think I like just the assists a little better. My prop for this game, I got Butler, Jimmy Butler to get two steals. It's minus 135 at bet MGM or DraftKings, but He's had at least two steals, all five playoff games. He had two last game. He's had multiple steals in three or four games against Philly. We know that James Harden is going to turn it over a handful of times and they're kind of loose with the ball. So I, I like Jimmy to just, you know, his defense has been really good in the playoffs. So I think oh, he'll get another couple of steals. Yeah. And the one play, like I've, we've been riding it is the Tobias Harris points line. I think it's adjusted a little too much. I, I'm not at the point where I'm going to bet an under, Cause they've moved it from 17 and a half to 19 and a half. And I know that he is the number one scorer when hard, when Embiid is off the floor and it's him, Maxi and Harden. But I think that 19 and a half is just like, it's a little too much, I think. Yeah. Um, especially because 
like it's kind of a chicken or the egg type of thing but like when Harris scores a lot the Sixers don't win um and I think it's like well it's probably because like everybody else like sucks that day (laughs) but like uh, but like at the same time that's not their recipe like they need Maxi to score like Harden can score 20 it's okay that Maxi's got to get it together for them so I think that like that's that he's going to be the guy that I feel like they really try to go to so I I wouldn't ride that 19 and a half again i think i think it's a little i think it's moved a little too much at this point i think it's an over adjustment um i don't know you on that raheem palmer at at our buckets podcast gave out the tobias harris i know he's been riding that one too Mm -hmm. i just don't play tobias harris anymore i just don't trust the man ever to actually show up but i think you're right tobias harris is not an x-factor sort of guy he's just a his numbers are just going to be there and like I don't want to play the 19 and a half because he's going to score like 17 to 22. And I just yeah. don't know which one of those numbers is going to end up at. If yeah. you, if you're listening to us and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't love Miami. I could see a spot for Philadelphia. The only two reasons that you can buy into that. It's not Tobias Harris. Either you think Maxi is going to break out and, and take over some games, which he absolutely can. Yeah. Or you think that somewhere hidden inside the beard, James Harden is still in there somewhere. Yeah. I don't feel great about that. If I if I had any hope at all in James Harden, I would love Philadelphia in the series. I have just a sliver of some amount of like, well, he's still Maybe. decent. Yeah. So that's why I'm giving them some chance here. But I think Maxi is the X factor. Like if you want to play at some point in the series, if you want to play Philadelphia to win or cover or a Philadelphia money line, I absolutely can see parlaying that with with maxi props overs. Yeah, like twenty five plus probably. Yeah, because that's he's going to be the reason why Philadelphia had a win and had a big game. I think. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. So I'm not sure if that's going to be game two or game three. I do think that they pull one out. I don't. I do not think it's going to be a sweep. Um, I just don't think Miami's good enough. Uh, I feel. Um, but and you know, maybe Embiid comes back. I don't, I just don't think it'll be a sweep. I think there's Philly has some legs left, but, um, with that in mind, let's look at the, the last game we got on the slate today. And it's the Phoenix suns versus the Dallas Mavericks, the suns, you know, bookers come back and he has been playing a lot of minutes. Like it's almost surprising that he missed time at all. Uh, so I'm wondering if it was more of like, he could rest against the Pelicans type of deal. And like, they didn't really need him, but they didn't want to push it to game seven. Uh, so I'm, I'm almost wondering that, but this team, I mean, they look good and the, the Mavs, like they don't have an answer for Deandre Ayton at all. I'm wondering if maybe we see some Boban minutes just because like, I don't know what else they do. Like he's, he can kind of get whatever he wants and he's efficient. So like his points prop is set at 19 and a half. I'm on that again. They've only moved it one point. It opened at 18 and a half. If they, once he gets past, like, once you see 20 and a half, I'm like, ah, I don't know about him, but like anything under 20, I feel like he's just been automatic, uh, especially in the postseason recently. Like he's been so good. And then the Mavs just don't have anybody to defend him, but I'm, I don't want to bet his rebounds either. Because for the exact same reason, I don't want to bet Bam rebounds. Uh, and you know, what do you, what do you think about the series? I know you're all over Luca. Yeah, the the Aiden props. Aiden's another guy that just it makes me a little nervous because I, I just don't trust Phoenix to keep getting him the ball. Like Fair. he absolutely should score twenty every game in the series. He's the number one pick. He has like it's there's nobody in there to defend. 
I don't buy the Boban thing because I think if Boban is out there at all, when Booker or Chris Paul is out there, like it's just it's barbecue chicken. Like it's just oh, every time, <laughs> every pull up, every single time. So like Boban needs to stick to the commercials. I think. Um, nice but, dude, though. <laughs> absolutely love the guy. Like great, great dude. But you know, monster hands. By the way, I look up a couple of pictures of Boban if you have It's absurd. It's so it's ridiculous. Insane. Yeah, Luca. Luca game one. 45, 12, and 8. Somehow I did not play him to get 40 plus at FanDuel. He was five to one, and I will never That's forgive it. myself till the day I die for, for that. <laughs> so currently in his career, Luka Doncic has played 15 playoff games where he's had at least 36 minutes. Like we know he's gonna go way over that if he's not hurt or it's a blowout. In those 15 playoff games, he's scored at least 38 points in more than half of them which is just an absurd number. Like he literally is tied with Michael Jordan for the highest scoring average in playoff history right now. That's That's, no qualifiers. He's just tied with Michael Jordan. I need him to pass Michael Jordan to immediately (laughs) use this. (laughs) Well, I think, I think it's like 33.8 or something. And his, his prop line is 32 and a half. So like there's a pretty good chance that, Tonight in this game, he passes Michael Jordan, at least for a day. Yeah. So I, I think where I'm at with Luca is thus. I like Phoenix in the series. I feel pretty good about them. That doesn't mean that I think there's going to be blowouts. I no. do feel that Dallas's defense just didn't have answers for, for what Phoenix was doing. Like you said, there's not an answer for Aiton. They can go there. Uh, Booker and, and, and uh, CP were getting their spots. It, it, the three pointers are going to regress a little bit, but the Mavs defense didn't have answers and the Mavs really wore down in the second half. Luca was exhausted by like midway through the third quarter and they just, they're chasing shadows a little bit with Luca. I feel like here's where we're at. And we saw them defend this way. If you like Phoenix, then you like Luca to score. I think Phoenix's defensive scheme is again, like we've been saying, we're going we're gonna to erase Jalen Brunson like they did. We're going to try to get rid of Dinwiddie. We're going to hope Maxi Claver doesn't did. hit 700 threes again. And go ahead, Luca, do it on your own. Knowing yeah. full well he absolutely can and will some point this series. It's going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Like he's going to drop like a 60 sometime just because they dared him to shoot and he was like, I okay. much obliged. I will do this now. <laughs> um, but like they know that he's not going to be able to do that four to seven times. No. If you like Dallas, I think when Dallas wins or plays especially well, I think then you like Luca's assist over and his scoring not to be quite so high. I so for, for me, I like Phoenix in this game. I don't love the cover. Minus six feels about right. If anything, I think I, I would maybe lean slightly to Dallas. But if it's a close-ish game, now my Dallas cover has to rely on the clutch sons, not making free throws and putting the game away at the end. And I, I don't want that. No, So I, I don't have a game angle. I, I like the Luca props, 32 and a half points, yeah. 33 and a half, whatever the number is like, it's not high enough yet. Which uh, is I think it's 33 and a half bonkers. now. Yeah. 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 I, I'm with you. And like, I think that the other guy, the only other guy that I think really has, 
any play is Dorian Finney-Smith. They like need him out there and his rebounds line. They actually just bumped it up. Like it's at four and a half, I think at one book, but it's like minus minus one seventy. It's like five and a half. Now I I think it's still playable at like the plus number that it's at. It's like plus one thirty or so, but he has to play like, and they, they need him uh, because he's like their only, he's like really their best like wing defender. I feel like at this point. So He's going to be somebody that like needs to see the floor. And I, I know you've mentioned this and this is something we've talked about off air, but like Reggie Bullock has been not good with Luca. So I know like what we, what we expect of Reggie is like shoot threes, whatever his points, his props line is like two and a half, but like, that's a tough, that's a tough ask here just because the minutes have been so bad. So I, I'm not sure if they're going to really continue to play him. So yeah. I think that Luca is definitely the angle and a spot that you bet before. And, you know, we bet and we, I think you, we tweeted about it, whatever was Luca to lead the series in threes. And now that line, it went from like plus 135, plus 170 to like minus 600 now. So with, with a bad three point shooting game from Luca. Yeah. Like he only made four. So uh, I think that there's, there might be some value on one of these other guys. I think it moved like too much, but especially since it's only been one game, but like, I mean, Luca's going to be, Luca's going to score. So yeah. it's just like, do you trust anybody to make up the ground? And probably no. Um, maybe Booker, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a probably no, maybe, but only because I already, have such a stranglehold on my Luca position that I can afford to like sprinkle a little bit on another yeah. guy or two just as a hedge. Yeah. Like not on Maxi. Maxi's number is not playable anymore because he moved too much. But if you're a little worried, like Booker, Cam Johnson, to me, those were the two guys when I was looking at the Luca props, those were the two that I was like, well, if it's going to be somebody other than him, other than just an injury reason, that's the two. And yeah. they're at 32 and 34. So like, if you want to, I mean, if you want to even play just like a fraction of a unit, like a 10th of a yeah, unit or something, case. yeah, just, just to kind of cover what you originally put onto Luca, I think that is in play, but the whole point of Luca was that the volume was going to be there and he, we needed, we needed to get those late couple threes from him mm-hmm. in extended garbage time. Yeah. Um, but saved us. yeah, by the way, so Dorian Finney-Smith. You're right. Over rebounding, I have I have in my notes to talk about. I'm gonna guess you didn't see this yet because the article just went up while we've been watching uh, the game as we're recording. I can tell you why the Dorian Finney-Smith four and a half rebounds line is gone. Do you want to know why? Why? Because I played the over in my article and we published <laughs> it in the middle of the game, and everyone played the over already. I'm sorry to your listeners, but uh, we missed the four and a half. You got to catch that article. Follow me in the Action Network app, y'all. You get the plays when they come out. Yeah, because yeah. I bet I bet the four and a half, and then when I was prepping for this. I was like, where did the four and a half? Go? Yeah, uh, now you know. Sorry about it. That's and okay. by the way. Just for, for the listeners' sake, confirm, please, that I'm not just full of myself. This is an actual real thing. Like, that's actually why the line probably moved off. Oh, 100%. Like, Brandon's one of those guys, like, you know, he puts the pick in, and it's like, we have to, like, put it in in code so they don't know to move the lines. Like, yeah. I, I've had to learn 
I earlier, I would like put the pick in and then go to my phone to put the, put it into my phone. And if I didn't do it within like a minute, it's gone already. So like, all right, getting my own bet in before I give this out on the, on the app from now on. (laughs) You you have to, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, I know you get that. Um, I know, you know, Propic guy does some stuff for us too. It's like, it's the, it's the tax. It's the, it's the Brandon tax. So, (laughs) So, yeah, but I, but I agree. I think that there is still value on the number. The other thing is, and I talked about this in the article, I saw after the game. So you and I t- had talked about this before game one. Why wouldn't Dallas try to get Dinwiddie and Brunson out yes. there with Luca late in the game? We saw it. We finally saw it happen. And I love those. Like we talked about that earlier on the, on this podcast, late in the game and these blowouts where you're like, okay, let's try some stuff. What might work here? And we can't draw too many conclusions. Phoenix was in like first gear coasting to the finish line. They were chilling. But- yeah. Yeah, Dallas went with their three guards, their three point guards, really. They almost backdoored, too. They did. They, they I mean, they had a shot at the buzzer that would have backdoor covered and covered Dinwiddie's points line and covered Brunson's assist Everything. line. So, yeah. <laughs> so, hooray or sorry to you if you were on either side of, of any of those beats. But the other part of that is that Dorian Finney-Smith basically played center for that stretch. Like, yeah, he was yeah. the big man. So you're talking about block and and can he re, can he be out there and Finney Smith can like I, I Maxi Kleber was getting burned defensively for all the yeah. threes he made he was in rough shape Dwight Powell is not a, a 16 game guy no. he's just not going to play big minutes here so I think they're going to go back to that and on the one hand it's like well then eight and rebounds right yeah but we've talked about that already like the Mavs are going to have to rebound yeah. the Suns don't really crash the offensive glass so when they no. miss they miss. And Finney Smith is going to get the boards. He He's averaging 6.3 rebounds per game in the playoffs this year. Last year, he had 6.5 per game. And uh, when the line was four and a half, he was over that in 12 out of 14. Five and a half is a little more risk because there are a few fives that he's had these last couple yeah. of years. But here's the other one. I don't know if this line is still out there. Double-double for Dorian Finney-Smith. He scored double digits, all but one postseason game. He had nine the other one. So the yeah, points are pretty, the, pretty careful yeah. there. Double-double at BetMGM is plus 1650. Yeah, I was going to say, I was actually just pulling that lineup. Like, it makes total it makes total sense. Like, I think it's worth at least a sprinkle, like, yeah. considering what we're looking at here. And, um, you know, I know Bet365, like, if you have it available to you, it's just like a cheat code. Um, because you can just like put stuff in together. Like they're, they have 10 rebounds alone at 15 to one right now. So I'm going to see real quick while we're on here, what does this do? If we do the same game parlay action here. Um, but I know I've, I've seen this before where it's like their algo for whatever reason, just like does not like account for this properly. And you can this app just doesn't want to run right now but if it's better i'll put it in the app but there you go <laughs> but uh yeah. but like look like i think it's 100% worth a sprinkle i think you got to play it um and if he's going to get to run at the 5 like you said it, I, I think they like need to do something to free up a secondary option for luka because there's just no like they're cutting everything off and it's like, it's yeah, just yeah. going to be too taxing. So if yeah, they can, they can run all three of them at the same time, I think that would be like really, you know, advantageous for them. Uh, it's, it's, I think it just makes a lot more sense. And like, they've only played, I just been running the numbers 72 possessions together 
the lineup is plus 15.3 uh, per 100 possessions with a 133.3 offensive rating. The defense gets absolutely cooked, but like their, their EFG is 64.2%. So like that might be the, that might be what you need to do against the Suns considering like, you know, you're going to give up the points anyway. Like they're not, they're not stopping anybody on the interior. Like you, you got to score that Phoenix's defense is too good. So I'm curious to see maybe if that's an adjustment, if, if we see a starting lineup with all three of them, or, you know, like the second half is starting with them, like I might just like hammer an over or something. Yeah, like that. I was going to say like that, that this, it feels like we're getting to an over on this game with the way that we're looking at these adjustments. And yeah, I wonder too, we saw last series against Utah, we saw Dallas go small and they're not going to go small because Luca is playing now. That was part of the thing. But we saw them like space it all out and just, just try to outscore them. Yeah. And look, DeAndre Ayton is not Rudy Gobert. Only Rudy Gobert is Rudy Gobert. Yeah. <laughs> but Ayton, like anybody, any center is going to struggle to keep up with like chasing guys around the perimeter. Ayton's a good defender now, but it's still not going to be a, a prime spot not for be him. Easy. So no, yeah. yeah. So like it, the other thing with with uh, Finney Smith too, if the rebounding line is just has gone too far and you're not loving it, I think you just maybe play the PRA too because. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's played 40 minutes every single playoff game. If you think the rebounds are going to be there and you like that, well, we know he's probably going to score 10 to 15 points. He's probably going to get an extra couple three-pointers up because that will be part on the yep. other end. That's part of the thing is spacing it out with him. And I think that he gets a few assists also because like he's a decent passer and like he moves the ball in the flow of the offense well. And that'll again be part of uh, kind of the scheme thing we're talking about. So yeah, I played I his think, PR already actually. So I, I yeah. do I like that play as well. I think I think if you if you're afraid of the juice, which we usually aren't, but uh, if you are afraid, like I think it's a good I think it's definitely a good spot. I agree with you, Brandon. Um, so with that, I I just want to know who who do you think you know you're the futures you're you're a futures guy. Who who do you think is winning the title, and who do you think? Like, who are you betting on to win the title is, I think, the real question. So I think it's the Celtics or the Warriors. Those are the two teams that, to me, are a tier above the rest. I know that that sounds like recency bias because we just watched both of them win as you're listening to this. However, I thought that before these games also. I just think they're a tier. The level that they can get to, and frankly, and they're healthy right now, knock on wood, mostly healthy. The level they can get to is just a tier above the other teams to me because of that i have to lean and i I go back and forth but i feel like the value certainly the betting value for me would be more toward boston there's not as much value as there was before game two when they were trailing at home in a series but it's okay you have to kind of wait and make sure that they got in there but if it's boston against golden state i like the matchup for boston like they've got a lot of length they're going to really trouble those golden state shooters. And we, we, you know, even back five years ago, these are different teams now, but Boston was always one of the really tough matchups for golden state. Marcus smart has always been really tough on staff. So, and, and I kind of like Boston, I think against Phoenix too. So really for me, when I look, when I look at scan the league, the warriors are the team that look like the champion to me. They just feel like the champion. Anytime that you beat the warriors, anytime feels like we got to put it on the calendar. Remember that game? And you remember like a hundred things that had to happen for the Warriors yeah. just to lose a game. But the Celtics are a team that in any series, 
I feel like I'm going to just like them. I'm going to like Boston in any series matchup. And if that's the case, then they have to be the bet, especially if they have better odds, which they do right now. And I will like them better, um, better in the, the conference finals because Phoenix is tough and um, Miami and Philadelphia are not Phoenix. Let's just say so. Yeah. yeah. Boston has the better path and a better chance to get there. Boston, even though Marcus Smart is hurt right now, Boston has more stable health staff and Draymond are always going to be a little risk there. So I think Boston, but uh, I'm looking for, I, I'm looking for like a Boston over golden state ticket. I think yeah. you get that like around 10 to one uh, at some places, but I'm not betting it right now. I think there's going to be a better spot for it, but those are the two teams that I'm really focused on. I like that. I like that. I agree. I think Boston's great. Uh, I wish I had a bigger position on them. I think my biggest liability is on the Warriors right now. So uh, I do feel comfortable with that. And I, I just don't, I don't love the number anymore at like the plus three fifty for them. I think it's a little, it's a little, it's a little short. Um, but I, thanks for, you know, Brandon, we, we really appreciated having you on. The one thing I'm going to do before we leave, I always leave everybody it's a segment we call pods and recs. And I, I try to give something that I recommend to the viewers. Uh, is there anything that you'd like, or the listeners, not the viewers, they're not looking at me, but uh, is there anything that you'd like to, right? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you would like to recommend to the viewers that or the listeners out here <laughs> man you told me this was coming and then i completely blanked on having something ready for it which is a shame because i literally am like a tv and culture writer when i actually have time to 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 write about all these things so here, here's what i'll go with uh just because this is a recency bias for me because i just finished the series a, a day or two ago killing eve tv show it's a bbc show that aired on amc here in the states it's got Sandra O oh in it and Jody Comer. Killing Eve, I think, ran four seasons. The first, so the show is over now. It, it just aired maybe a month or two ago, the, the season or the series finale. And I just kind of got cut up because, you know, sports be busy these days. Yes. But <laughs> season one was fantastic. It is one of the better shows I've seen in the last like decade, just that season. The, the storytelling and narrative, like, it's one of those shows they probably should have just kept as a one season show and been done with. However, the two characters, especially Jodie Comer's character, Villanelle, like, did, have you heard of the show before, Joe? Uh, I think you might have mentioned it to me, okay. but I don't think I, I never got NBA. I haven't got a chance to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So basically, like Sandra Oh, you probably recognize her from like Grey's Anatomy and other stuff. Jodie Comer, I haven't yes. really seen elsewhere. But so Sandra Oh is, is a detective. And Jodie Comer is, is, is a villain. She's a serial killer, basically, like a trained Russian serial killer. And her name is Villanelle. And she is one of the best villains that I've ever seen on a TV show ever. Her character is so good. I think Sandra Oh might have actually won an Emmy for her performance. Yeah, I think it, I think I have heard of this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely criminal that Jodie Comer never won anything for her performance as Villanelle is incredible. And the way that they performed her has been great. So the, the series got kind of slowly downhill after the first season, but the storytelling wasn't as good. It got a little kooky because they're kind of just coming up with reasons to keep these two characters like crossing paths. Like yeah. it's clearly you know, Sandra O's character is like tracking down the killer. The other one, and, But yeah. then there's, there's this like weird infatuation with each other's lives of like what's happening here. And the scenes that they share together are 
are not common and are so good. And I just enjoyed spending time with characters like yeah, the Jodie it, Comer characters, especially just it, it was worth watching the rest of the seasons, even though like first season was a plus plus the other seasons were like a B or B plus, but you just, you, you fall in love with the characters and want to keep watching them. So that's yeah. my recommendation. I think I'm in, I think I'm going to have to watch this. Like I, I definitely like it. Uh, and then, so my recommendation to everybody is, you know, I, it's that time of year again, I've been meal prepping and I've been like, we've been doing this thing, me and my girl, we've been buying these. So it's not, I'm not recommending meal prepping. So that's a pain in the ass, but I bought <laughs> these. I bought these containers at Costco. They're glad like stackable containers and they're like the, disp- you know, the Tupperwares that are like, they're too good to throw away after just one time, but you could throw them away if you wanted to. <laughs> So they're those and they all like stack on each other. My refrigerator is just like an OCD person's dream. Uh, so I'm sorry if it's triggering to anybody, but like <laughs> that's I love it. So like, it's like I look and I'm like, wow, this is great. And I just grab one and I can go to work. So I recommend that. Like I recommend the stackable containers. I don't care what you put in them, but like it's just it's nice. They all fit nicely in your refrigerator. So it's like you have those, you have the Brita, you have your beers, you're set. So it really works out nicely for everybody. But, um, you know, so that's my recommendation. And that's Brandon's recommendation, Killing Eve. Uh, Brandon, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, as always, you know, he's at Wheat on Brando on Twitter. You can see him on the Action app. You can catch him on the Buckets podcast, on Spotify, on uh, on Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. And it was awesome having you on again today, Brandon. Uh, so thanks for coming on. And let's cash that. And thighs.
I keep 20 in the pocket You talk about 80 if the Bentley is the topic But of course gotta fly the spur To the hood and roll dice on soccer curl Now I know a G a bet might sign a serve Try 80 up Lennox cause I gotta urge The rap game like the crack game Lifestyle rich famous living in the fast lane So when I bleep shorty bleep back Louis Vuitton belt while I'm keeping all the heat strapped I beat the trail over Rucker All guns loaded in the back, motherfuckers We fly, no lie You know this Falling rats outside It's like showbiz We fly, no lie You know this Falling rats outside It's like showbiz They fly It's only above, motherfucker. It's Dipset Bird Gang, we born to fly. Y'all know the rules, fall back or fall back. Somebody tell my bitch something I'm looking for. <laughs> you dig? Another day, another dollar. The fast life, fuck.